Welcome to Guitar Knobs Podcast. Uh, guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense. And uh, we are doing our, our part two with uh, amp builder Dave Harris. And um, I, I, is it okay if I call you an amp builder? Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what you do, right? <laughs> I've earned that one. <laughs> you have. Um, we're going to take a listen to what, what this uh, very special uh, amp can do. Mark? Give us something with a little edge real quick. Yeah, sure. Nice. Nice. I love the hand motion after the power chords. Yes. It's really, yeah. (laughs) You're, you're. We're dealing. (laughs) We're dealing. That's it. We're dealing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so, okay. First and foremost, uh, I encourage you, uh, to listen to part one of this interview first, as it will give you a lot more context. Um, part one, we talked about Dave's backstory, uh, had a couple demos and just got a general understanding of like what makes this amp special. And, uh, and it's not just this one app. I mean, we are demoing one amp, which is the model. That's the model TAF 30. TAF 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, Dave, you've got a, a, a wide range of amps that you uh, build, um, custom build. Uh, so um, <clears throat> when I'm referencing this amp, it just happens to be the one in this room, but we're referring to um, your approach to amp building. Mm-hmm. Um, for this podcast, part two, we're going to uh, do a little bit more of a Q&A. So uh, we've heard your backstory. We got a little bit of information on where you're coming from. Um, and we have questions that um, fellow guitar players um, and uh, some of the other knobs who are not present um, are, are going to uh, have been asking us. Um, so today we're hearing from these knobs. Uh, Jeff Fisher. Dave Harris. Todd Novak. And guest knob guitar player extraordinaire. Mark DeCenzo. Hello. Mark DeCenzo. Uh, Hello. Who runs Circa Music. Go visit them at circamusic.com. Please do. You're always welcome. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into this, all right? All right. We're going to get some questions going. Um, so whether we like it or not... Um, it, as much as we're focusing on tone and... Um, you know, how special uh, uh, a hand-wired amp can sound. Um, it's kind of like anything else. It's like a really great-looking car. <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might forego the, the actual driving experience for a great-looking car. I'm just curious. Um, obviously, you have a, an, a, an aesthetic that you go with right out of the box. Do you get many requests for... Um, custom cabinetry or different styles of, uh, of, of how you how you uh, approach your aesthetic. 
Oh, we get we get an occasional question <clears throat> about what could be done uh, to uh, uh, design the cabinet a little differently. Uh, sometimes we uh, uh, don't cover them with Tolex, for example, and uh, give them a hand-rubbed wood finish. Uh, we've also had people request special Tolex, uh, special coverings uh, that uh, is suitable for their particular uh, people. Uh, you got a cut. Uh, country western covering that looks like uh, embossed leather. Uh, another one that's uh, simulated alligator skin, and it goes very well down south. Mm. And so you know, <laughs> we can do those sorts of things. Uh, and also, we occasionally get questions about how we might enhance the tone in one particular way. Uh, I had one fellow that wanted it to be almost brittle in its sound at, at some points, very, very high frequency, and uh, found a way to do that very nicely in the feedback loop so that uh, the highs are very much emphasized, and, 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 and it makes the guitar sound almost like uh, you're playing on glass strings. You know, It's oh, very, wow. very, very sharp that's, that's and shrill, but it's a good sound. So when someone is asking you for a certain sound... Mm-hmm. How do you take that, what they're asking for, and think about it in an electronic way? Like the idea of a brittle sound, you say, oh, I could do X, Y, or Z. Well, I realize that uh, the, the, a brittle sound comes to mind breaking glass, much high frequency, <laughs> and crisp high frequency, no distortion on it, but nice and crisp. So uh, uh, there are ways of doing that by shaping the feedback and the amplifier. Uh, if you don't, uh, you don't uh, uh, send negative feedback for the high frequencies at the same intensity as you do for the low frequencies, and they appear to be boosted. And that's essentially what you have on a presence knob on your Marshall. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I did it with a vengeance with a sharper cutoff. <laughs> And uh, it's a, it's a neat sound. We've done that a couple times. You've demystified the presence knob. I, that, that was a total bonus. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that, all it is is a high frequency <laughs> feedback is is cut off. You have inverse feedback holding the amplifier's gain down and preserving the fidelity of the input signal. And if you put, turn the presence knob on, you're putting a capacitor across those high frequencies, mm -hmm. and they don't get back into the amplifier for negative feedback. So it's more shrill, more brittle. Mm -hmm. One thing we're not going to do is ask you for your um, 11 uh, herbs and spices. Um, so. <laughs> I don't know if I can really answer that. Anyhow, I will yeah. say that uh, uh, finding the appropriate audio output transformers was a bit of a task. And I bought from uh, the uh, vendors in the United States the various devices. I didn't go to some of the super high-priced ones because you know, I'm not going to pay $200 for an output transformer. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, part of that's being spoiled by the fact that they were 16 bucks when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Price has gone up a little bit. <laughs> Price has gone up a little bit. So uh, a number of Chinese people uh, said, hey, we make you prototype and you can try it out and see what you think. And I uh, found one guy that seemed very cooperative and uh, he made me some uh, samples to my spec and I tested them and it didn't meet spec. And I, I told him, he said, no problem. Tell me what we're wrong. I'll fix it. And he did. Nice. And uh, on the third pass, we had a really nice audio output transformer. So I've stuck with that vendor. And uh, that's 
part of the sound. There's no doubt about that. A good output transformer is very important. It has to match the tube through the impedance range, and that's that's kind of a trick when you look at what's going on there, reflecting back from the speaker to the plate of the tube. It has to look right mm. at any frequency. So what, and kind then, of, what kind of tone does a transformer impart on the sound? Like well, you if, you, if you look at the waveform, uh, as you turn, uh, go through the spectrum. In an oscilloscope, correct? With an oscilloscope, yeah. You will see, you will see uh, uh, distortion in your sine wave at some frequencies. And uh, this can create second harmonic distortion or third harmonic distortion. It, uh, it definitely affects your sound. And, and what I was looking for in the beginning was pure sound. I wanted to see if it, if it was going to saturate. I wanted it to saturate both the positive and negative at the same time. And as I went through the spectrum, I didn't want to see that sine wave shift in its form. I wanted it to stay pure. Another way you can look at it is with a square wave. If you put a square wave in and uh, your uh, transformer uh, is uh, not wound properly, uh, you can see ringing on the, uh, uh, the, the waveform. The line goes straight up and it rings and then it comes down and it rings on the bottom. And, and this is adding distortion too. It, it, it sometimes is uh, due to an instability in the plates because the impedance isn't really quite right at that frequency. So I, I look for all these things when I'm picking an audio transformer out, and, and, and my ear now can tell me right away what kind of distortion I'm getting without looking at the scope. But yeah. when I put the scope on, I say, yeah, there it is. And so you have to tune that out. So you, you basically use it as another tool in the in the arsenal of two building to create a tone using yeah. a, a transformer yeah the transformer is an important part and uh, and of course the the other factor that people don't talk about much is is power transformers once again a sticker shock hit me <laughs> i looked at power transformers used to be up oh, 20 bucks you know 100 bucks yeah and i said well wait a minute there's got to be a better way and so I began to explore some uh, things that we've been playing with in, uh, in our circuitry for industrial electronics. And one of the things we do quite frequently is use a, a voltage multiplier. We'll take a transformer and uh, put a special solid state rectifier circuit in it that will put out uh, uh, 1.4 times the input or 2.8 times the input. And so with that, you can buy a transformer that's supposed to basically be an isolation transformer. And you put 120 in, you get 120 out. Well, you put that into a voltage doubler, and it's 2.8 times 120. Bingo, we're up at plate voltages for 6V6s and 6L6s. And these are much less expensive transformers. They don't have a filament winding. But fortunately, you can still buy a filament transformer. So most of my amps use that technique, and the the uh, uh, reduction in the weight of the iron necessary is significant. That's what I was going to say. Is that why we're dealing with a much smaller sure. cap? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. 
And I thought I'd invented that, and then I looked at the PV Classic 30, and they've been doing it all along. So, but but uh, yeah, that's, they that's do some other things that I would never secrets. do. I won't go into that. <laughs> yeah, that is actually part of the uh, a question was, you'd mentioned before, you use a lot of the, the vintage-style circuitry mm-hmm. um, from when it first when it all started, basically. Yeah. And are you thinking like they got it right the first time and you don't need to mess with the uh, what they've created? Oh, no, no. I'm saying that if we're listening for the classic sound, okay. that we want to use the classic design and incorporate and allow it to have the distortion that it had in the beginning. In those days, we were trying to eliminate all the distortion we could. And it was a pretty clean amp, but it wasn't perfect high fidelity. And you get a perfect high-fidelity amplifier and play your guitar through it, and you say, that's sterile. It just doesn't have any character. Right. You know, it's like a computer-generated voice. Mm-hmm. It's not there. <laughs> so do you think your uh, amplifiers have a signature voice to them? Yeah, they do. Uh, and, and the closest I've been able to come to what that is is uh, uh, I had a fellow buy one of my amplifiers down in the Cincinnati show. He wandered up and he said, can I play your amp? And I said, oh, sure. Handed him a guitar and he started playing. He got this beautiful grin on his face and he said, I'll take it. He didn't even ask how much it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is a beauty to that, right? I'm sure yeah. Mark, you so I knew he must too. really have something going. Well, I heard from him later and he says, I wanted to explain myself when I was a youngster uh, up in Minneapolis. Uh, I took lessons from an old fellow who had a pair of amplifiers that Leo Fender had hand-wired himself. Hmm. I've been looking all my life to find that sound, and when I played your amp, I heard it. That's awesome. So, wow. Yeah. That's what I was trying for. <laughs> that's, cool. that's very cool. That that's magic very of, cool. of guitar meets uh, amplifier, and yeah. in your head, that's the tone you want it, and you've captured it. Yep. It's got to be a great feeling. And it's important to note in that story is that this is a person who's actually played one of Leo Fender's amps and is not just thinking he's hearing it on a recording. It's a person who's heard one in person and performed through one. Um, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about what Fender amps and what Marshalls, and depending on which range we're talking about, actually do. And um, in my experience that this amplifier, when we can talk about a price point later on, is doing exactly what the 50s and early 60s Fenders and uh, mid-60s, late-60s Marshalls, which, um, as far as I know, are based on those uh, Fenders, and um, even some ranges like Matchless and High Watt, uh, mm-hmm. very similar performance, very high-quality performance, might I mm-hmm. add. So the idea that kind of all these amps share parts and pieces and tonalities, right? They yeah. Somebody develops one, and someone then takes that and starts something else with maybe a little tweak or different tone to it, right? As far as I know, isn't the Marshall, the original Marshall amplifier, just a complete copy off of the 59 Bassman, which is why those are all so coveted? Um, I've heard that. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. sorry, Marshall, if I'm... Um, yeah. I don't but Marshall me. then uh, invested oh, in some the some remarkable technology to create new distorted sounds. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I've looked at that, uh, and, I, and uh, that has had an influence on my two-face amps. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and which yeah. I've, I've had a chance to play through, and they're wonderful. Um, they're, they're really cool. Different. Um, I, yeah. I, I prefer my amp, which is why I have oh, it. But, uh, but you shouldn't use a two-face. 
You don't need it, Mark. You can make all the beautiful sounds just the way they should be without it. it Some fellows don't know how to do that. I, it's it. Uh, I've I've had I've been fortunate to have been. Um, able to play on some very expensive amplifiers in, mm-hmm. in my time and uh, very few of them were mine and um, I've also slogged through in a lot of inexpensive amplifiers and I have my expectations somewhat uh, balanced in terms of what I would expect for a certain price point or at a certain level of you know collectability maybe you know there's some reasons why the classics became the classics because they do a certain thing very well and um just to echo the gentleman from cincinnati this is a real amplifier i I mean i don't mean that lightly that this is a it is an amplifier that if you expect uh leo fender era pre-cbs era which the cbs stuff isn't bad either um, if, if you have expectations in terms of performance, you will get that from this amplifier. And um, the price point just blows my mind, but that's, mm-hmm. once again, a discussion for a different uh, time. I, I think it's <laughs> worth also mentioning that and we, we just briefly grazed this on, on part one, and I wanted, I, I wanted to bring that back up, which was, I think, uh, especially um, uh, if you're a... a beginning musician or um, even trying to change up, like, I want to change up my sound or whatever. Um, well, what do you want it to sound like? What do you want your sound to sound like? Most people are going to say, I want it to sound like it's coming from this amp or this. I want it, I want to sound like a Vox. I want to sound like a Marshall. I want to sound like a mm-hmm. Fender. And something that is really special about this is this, this sounds like your guitar or you're playing. It, it allows, it isn't, the amp isn't taking over right. your style or your your favorite guitar or your pickup selection. Um, it and that's I that's relatively unique. I, I I think maybe that was one of the things that really grabbed my attention. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a Fender. It doesn't sound like a Marshall. It doesn't sound like a Vox. It sounds like the guitar. And that was that was that was a revelation yeah, for me. And really, depending on the speakers and the speaker cabinet, you can get close to other guitar amps. Um, and if you want those, go buy them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, any style of music. So speaking of that, why don't we hear what a what a uh, an Epiphone Sheraton two semi hollow body sounds like. Technical difficulties. Too many wires. When are we going to get rid of the wires? That's going to be the interesting. <clears throat> Shouldn't be hard to do. <laughs> Did you just lick the the, the cable? What? what happened? Oh no no no! I I, I was pos- repositioning myself. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought he you know like oh, someone people write. No, you know, I didn't. I didn't lick the, oh, no, you know. I, no, I, I didn't. That's a, I was like that's crazy. That reminds me of a great story because I used to. Uh, Entice my kids to put it on their tongue, the, and you know, like it's going to shock them. Yeah. So I, I would put it on my tongue and like fall back, like ah. And I was like, "You guys try this. You guys try this." And they're all <laughs> terrified to put it on their tongue.
Sheridan. Yay. Yay for the Sheridan too. And for Mark. And yay for the amp. <laughs> TF30R. So there, um, there are many uh, different types of tubes, right? To create different types of tonalities, yes. right? Um, and the, again, the tube is like a transformer where you're picking your pieces and matching them together to do certain things. And without going deep into like all the different type of tubes and, mm-hmm. you know, there's some basic ones that are used on almost all guitar amps, right? Uh, my question is, have you ever tried using some exotic t- type of tube that maybe is cast aside or most people don't look at it as, sure. a, as a unique sound? Yeah, yeah I've, I've, uh, I started out looking at exotic kinds of tubes when I came back in because... Uh, I couldn't believe what they were asking for the tubes. Oh, yeah, they're so pricey. Anyway. <laughs> we use every day, you know, and I've watched them uh, in the last eight years double in value. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, and so, yes, I have used some exotic tubes, uh, and uh, one of the things I've experimented with is some of the old transmitting tubes that we used in ham radio. Uh, most of them require a lot of voltage in order to begin to work well, and... Uh, I could do that, but I don't think that's a real good plan. And uh, another exotic approach was uh, the uh, output transformerless design mm. uh, that used uh, no output transformer at all uh, and uh, used the big power triodes that were used to control uh, uh, servo motors and things of that nature. That's interesting. And... Uh, uh, I built one up that uh, was in a uh, year, 1972 handbook, and uh, it uh, delivers 25 watts from uh, 5 hertz to 50,000 hertz. <laughs> what? what, what 50,000 hertz? 5 hertz, you, you feel 50,000 hertz is way out of our hearing range. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You and I can probably hear up to But like the amplifier 17. would do this. And, okay. you know, it truly, truly was high fidelity uh, yeah. in the truest sense of the word. And... One of the weakest links in uh, in an audio system uh, is the matching of the output trans uh, output tubes through the transformer to the speaker. So if you eliminate the transformer, you have one of the uh, lossiest and most difficult elements taken away, and it's possible to get a tone response over that kind of range if your speaker can handle it. Of course, your speaker can't handle right. 50 kilohertz anyhow. Uh, you could put a crossover network, right. and there are some electrostatic elements that will do that. But the, the, the idea was to build one without a transformer and to evaluate it. And uh, as I said, though it's a very interesting amplifier, it's, it's a sterile guitar amplifier it might be good for powering speakers in say a mastering engineer's studio though that would be yeah. a very accurate Older people would buy them yeah uh, and and they're outrageously expensive too uh, you know uh, three or four thousand dollars will buy you a 25 watt amplifier yeah actually the uh, the idea of building a an audiophile style amplifier yeah. if you've I'm sure you've probably been asked to do that many times as well, too. I'm not, I haven't been asked no? to, too many times. I have I have played with it, but uh, and my my one son would love for me to do that. Yeah. He thinks that's where the real money is. I know that uh, uh, there's an outfit down on Huntley Road that's building thirty thousand dollar amplifiers yeah. with tubes and uh, transmitting tubes at that that we used to use for ham radio. 
but uh, you know, I'm I don't uh, I don't see that as my calling. I, I they they're relating the music and the electronics and 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 especially with young artists who are developing their feel for the music and their uh, vision for the music for the future. Uh, this is this is where it's at. Yeah, that's it's like a beautiful sentiment, actually. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful sentiment. It was even more beautiful that you said it was a beautiful it was sentiment. Beautiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cheering up. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about um, solid state amps in the, the first example and how the transistor came along and kind of mm-hmm. changed things for from power standpoint. Um, can you tell us a little bit or explain a little bit about when I listen to five watts of a tube amp versus five watts of a solid state amp? There's such a volume difference. I think most of the time it's because of the speaker that they've paired up with the amplifier, uh, especially when you're looking at combo amps that are sold to students and uh, the, the, the lower-priced entry into the field. Uh, people seem to have decided that it's not necessary to spend any money on a good Celestion or uh, Eminence or whatever. They just put a run-of-the-mill speaker in the box, and it probably has an efficiency of uh, 89 decibels or 92 decibels per watt, and so it's not very loud. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and But solid-state amplifier people tend to buy into that because they also make 200-watt amplifiers, and, hey, 94 decibels is plenty loud. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I think you're listening as much to the speaker quality. But then the other thing is that uh, when we rate our tube amps, uh, we're rating them for... Um, a sound that is a sine wave it's an undistorted sound and a lot of solid state amps just say well how much can i push out of the speaker and it's no ways near that much okay that yeah. might be the difference right there right? that's one of the differences yeah. yes because i know it, it, i i need like two to 500 watts for my bass amp to even yeah. start to kick in right yeah and in a guitar amp that's ridiculous right that's way too loud yeah. to stand next to so there is that difference of maybe how it's classified from a, a wattage standpoint mm-hmm. and how it's defined by the industry. But And you may find that your speaker is a very low efficiency, but very clean on the low end and has excellent attack and, uh, and no resonances. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's not really efficient. And so you need more power. Yeah, that makes sense. And as we explained, every 3 dB, you double your power. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a really, uh, I'm going to use that to, for a segue here. Um, so <clears throat> somebody who's interested in buying one of your amps, um, and I will, let, let me make a disclaimer really quick. Guitar Knobs is in no way affiliated <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, legally or financially with uh, Dave's company, uh, the, the Tube Amp Factory. Um, Unless we get free amps. No. <laughs> It's not even no, no it isn't. No, it's not part of that. I just disclaimed it. You now you reclaimed it. It is unless we get free amps. No. I'll say it again. Okay. <laughs> we are not affiliated. We are no. doing this simply because we appreciate what he's built and uh how amazing they sound. We want everybody else to hear that too. Um so my segue here is that if I was um going to be purchasing uh, an amp from you, um, whether it's, you know, right off your site or a custom build. Um, it's the head, it's the, it's the, it's the power unit. So 
for someone who may not have, um, uh, like, like you or Je- you and Jeff and even Mark, uh, have a much greater understanding of when you start talking about speakers. Um, but man, I really want that amp. So what can you, uh, suggest for me who doesn't, who wouldn't know exactly what to do about how to pair up the right speaker or speakers? Mm-hmm. How do I, how do you go about that? So you just, I just got an app from you. Now well, we have to ask what you're going to do with the app. Are you using this as a student to, to practice with? Mm-hmm. Are you playing for a church group? Are you, uh, uh, going out and playing uh, coffee houses? Uh, are you with a band that has uh, uh, three more guitars and a bass and a drummer? Uh, and and this, this defines what sort of amplifier you need and what sort of speaker configuration you should use. Because even the little 10-watt amplifier is very loud into a, an efficient uh, 412 cabinet. Uh, it's incredibly loud. Uh, a whole symphony orchestra, I've been told, puts out five watts of pure audio. Wow! At crescendo, it's interesting. So there you uh, go. that's pretty loud. Yeah, which <laughs> so, is why anybody who's been to a concert in the 1970s when they were using <laughs> thousands of watts, I don't know how anybody can hear from that generation. Well, most of us can't hear anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you mentioned, um, you know, aside from deciding what kind, um, so let's say I said, hey, I'm going to be doing uh, small, uh, like, bar gigs. Uh Um, How, what what are some of the important things to consider when, uh, if if you say, great, here's your amp, um, good luck at those barroom gigs, you might want to consider, if you're getting a cabinet, um, X, Y, and Z. What are some things to consider when you are looking for the right cabinet to pair up with any one of your amps? Well, as I said in the beginning there, it's that efficiency number that is primary. If you don't have the efficiency in the speaker that's in that cabinet, it's not going to work very well for you. Okay. And uh, Can you we, elaborate on that just a little bit? Well, uh, a speaker that has, uh, if you look at uh, one of my favorites is the... Uh, uh, Celestian Classic 30, and uh, it typically is a 101 decibels for one watt of power input mm-hmm. at one meter, and that's a very efficient speaker. They do get a little more efficient, but not much. Uh, and then to compare that to uh, 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 a speaker that I would buy that's a Brand X, uh, maybe designed for public address service or somebody says it's a full-range guitar speaker and I say, well, what's the efficiency? And they say, well, I don't know. And well, let's look it up. And it comes out 92 decibels. Now, between 92 decibels and 101 decibels, you have triple the power. Right. So, but the layperson doesn't understand that. Yeah. Like, it, I would be like, 92, 100, yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. But no, it would be, it would make, if you took a 10 watt amplifier and put it into the, the 92 decibel, uh, and then you went to uh, a 95 decibel, that 10 watt amplifier would sound like 20 watts. Hmm. And then you go the next step up and it would be 40 watts, and we still haven't gotten to the classic 30, which would make it sound like 80 watts. So 
Wow. That's real important, and it's you have to dig. The, the people that are selling junk and calling it speakers won't tell you that, and some of them put them in the cabinets too. Yeah. So you have to be careful. You say, what speaker is that? What are its specifications? What does its frequency response look like? And then you can look at the cabinet. Mm-hmm. And Tube Amp Factory does pair with uh, your combos and with cabinets as well. You do pair. Speakers. Yeah, we we when we when we put a combo in, we're we're looking uh, we're looking at a speaker that's going to perform really well, uh, definitely in the higher uh, sensitivity range, so that when you're taking a single twelve in, you're still going to get plenty out of it. And then I've had a number of people ask me to make an extension speaker for them, and that's another way to go. Uh, that way, they're not so heavy. But the TAF fourteen uh, XR uh, is uh, is a great little combo, and that has a hundred and one decibel speaker in it. So, so you also mentioned that all your amps are hand wired, point to point. Wiring. All of my amps have been hand wired up until this last year. I began making the Two Face series, and that is based loosely on some of the Marshall designs. Would had these have a lot of interconnections between small components, and they don't lend themselves as well to going from a tube socket pin to another tube socket pin, because we may go out of one resistor into another resistor and capacitor, and then another capacitor, and then go into the tube. And so, what are you going to do? You got to have terminal strips there, or a turret board, or something to hook all those up. So, so you're saying uh, that it, it actually affects the tone, or is it just more of a, a, a it can way? it can obviously if you uh, if you do a layout and you're not paying attention to what the circuit is doing, you can put uh, an input too close to an output, which will cause oscillations. Uh, you can put an input too close to a high voltage line, and uh, the the amp will work fine for about a year, and then the circuit board starts to break down and arc, and, uh, and you take it in, and they say, oh, yeah, we've seen that before. <laughs> so it's really just good circuit design in Yeah, general. so part of a circuit design. And I, I'm of the opinion that printed circuit boards should not be used where uh, we're asking uh, for a, a wide range of temperature fluctuation. For instance, when you plug a tube in, a power tube like a 6L6, it gets hot enough to give you a serious burn if you touch it. And if that's going down onto the printed circuit board and conducting heat down into it, after a year or two, you look and around the sockets, all the pins are blackened and browned, and, and the foil begins to loosen, and you give printed circuits a bad name. Right, you yeah. shouldn't do that with a print circuit. <laughs> so my my hybrid idea uh, has been brought out in the two phase twenty two and the two phase forty four, where the tone controls, the volume control, the input jack, and all that is on a little print circuit board, and then each uh, tube uh, goes up through a simple connector and a six wire uh, uh, computer grade connector that connects onto the board so you have about uh, about two inches of wire from the tube socket to the board and it plugs into that little uh, connector and then all the high voltage and the filaments and all that stuff is hardwired onto the tubes just like the old days yeah and i think this way we'll overcome almost all those difficulties and we shouldn't uh, i'm not noticing any difference in tone I may start to do that with the other amps as my eyes are getting tired at 74 <laughs> years old. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard work. Hey, Dave, um, and 
last time I was at your shop, um, I saw you uh, make a circuit, a, a, a PCB for a vibro, vibrofraz. Vibrofraz, right. And um, I saw it uh, dipped in, I believe, acetone right in front of me. Is that true? Is it? Well, no, we, we clean them with a, with a lacquer thinner that sometimes has some acetone in oh, okay. it. Okay, and um, but you actually, but you print those in your shop too, right? Yeah, we, we, we etch them with uh, ferric chloride, and uh, we have a positive photo process where we can uh, actually print out uh, the tape drawing, uh, as we used to call it, because we used to lay out all those lines with little pieces of tape. Uh, to computer-generated design and then lay it out uh, uh, and print it out, and then we can make a printed circuit board from it right there in the shop. Which I think is important to note that even if you are getting something with a printed circuit board, which has definitely um, in the last 20, 30 years developed a bad reputation to guitar players, um, you're not getting something that was, uh, you know, you know, printed over and over again in a, some sort of automated process, you're actually still getting a hand-printed That's a good point. board. Yeah, yeah right it's, at the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and so there's mm -hmm. a, a lot more quality control, and you're still getting uh, maybe whatever your inferred loss of soul or absence of craftsmanship is in that uh, PCB you're actually, it's still there. You sh still, it, it, yes, it still is. It's probably someone, I'm probably a member of your family doing it. Yeah, because, you know, if I was to feed that into my CAD program and say, okay, lay out this circuit board for me, I would get something very similar to what I see with a commercial amplifier. And uh, I would never accept that layout. I would never want to put those voltages or currents on the board. I would never want to run those lines next to one, one another. So... When I lay it out, I go in there and each component is carefully placed with a consideration for what signal is going to be on it, how far away it is from the nearest other signals. And and uh, and, and like I say, uh, I don't run the dangerous stuff through it. I don't put the high voltage on it and I don't put the high current on it. So the board ought to last forever. That's an interesting point because I think, um, you know, what we're touching on right now with these printed boards, um, there is a... Uh, a movement in in uh, the guitar world right now, where where we're seeing a lot of um, people buying things to uh, to do home CAD and uh, to do home, um, print their own boards. Mm -hmm. um, uh, actually, our our drummer <laughs> is one of these guys, mm -hmm. um, and the just the idea of saying you knowing that like the difference between something that uh, you can get off the internet for uh, uh, a program to print a, a board, mm -hmm. but then knowing that that has issues with it, just from your experience mm -hmm. and and testing and and pushing, um, mm -hmm. is is a really interesting thing because I think people get into to some of those things and they say, "Well, I can do it," and then it doesn't work, and then they don't know why. Right? There's a little more to it than uh, just applying the program and getting a result. And yeah, yeah will that work? Well, probably. Will it be reliable? Almost certainly not. Mm -hmm. And uh, and 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 we learned that the hard way with years of building circuits and sending them out into the steel industry and the tire industry and these plants that really abuse the gear. And if it's not built right, it won't last. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's that's where the 
experiences made it possible to make a, a printed circuit work properly mm-hmm. and to know where you should use a printed circuit and where you shouldn't. Interesting. Now, and this uh, last question for me regarding the printed circuit is, um, I, just because I'm a, a bit of what they call a noob, um, I have a hard time uh, sorting out issues uh, mm-hmm. with a printed circuit just because I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to make some maintain or maintenance mm-hmm. something that is hand-wired or point-to-point, um, I can usually just figure it out with my lack of knowledge uh, mm-hmm. to what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can either take it to a shop or attempt the fix myself. Do you th- um, think it's just a uh, lack of knowledge on my part that makes it harder to maintenance something with a printed circuit? Is it something that with a little bit more um, woodshedding and a little bit more reading, I could probably pick up that ability? Well, uh, there again, it, it, it comes back somewhat, Mark, to the person that designed that board. If that circuit designer mm-hmm. designed the board and placed the components relative to one another in the circuit, it's just as easy to follow as point to point because you know you're coming in an amplifier at one point and you have coupling capacitor and you have a load resistor and then you go out through uh, another coupling capacitor and things move in an orderly fashion. If you plug that all into an auto router program and it says zip bang, there's your layout, Mm -hmm. the computer has no sense of what that circuit's supposed to do. All it does is connect the lines like it was told. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost impossible to troubleshoot it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's 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 been my experience. Yeah. I see that little green board, I'm like, ah, yeah. dang it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my board, as it ends up, is going to be six and a half inches long by an inch and a quarter wide, and that basically has all the tiny components on it and the pots. And so you loosen the nuts on the pots, and you unplug the board, and you can hold it in your hand and look at it. But uh, the, the most of the circuitry, the important stuff, is all hardwired. Yeah. So I think it's going to work well. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of its performance and sound, I was... Yeah, I, I don't think you'll hear any certainly dispel some of my, um, maybe my, my sort of longstanding... Uh, uh, maybe worries or or pretensions against um uh the the pcb amplifier or at least the the parts of it i think it's um it changed my mind (laughs) nonetheless hey speaking of tone stacks oh yeah yep (laughs) (laughs) just just got a question about tone stacking you know you're talking about we were talking about tone and how you would capture the essence of tone if someone was explaining it to you and you mentioned well for more of this brittle sound i would basically increase a presence or an element mm-hmm. of presence. Um, and I notice on the amps, very minimal amount of uh, controls, tone controls. Can you talk a little bit, a little bit about your philosophy in the tone controls? Is it like uh, when they're all set to 12 o'clock, that is pure guitar signal, no modification? Right. What I should see when I have my amplifier set at 12 o'clock is I should be able to put a square wave into it and it will stay square through the whole tone range. And uh, what you see as you turn up the treble is you'll see it peak on the, on the transitions up and peak on the transitions down. And if you turn up the uh, uh, bass, you'll see it round uh, 
and distort in that fat manner. Or if you turn it down, you'll see it begin to differentiate, and your square wave won't be level anymore. It'll start to tip over. So uh, that's a check that uh, uh, verifies that your amplifier can go straight through. Okay. And, and, and it's like getting the, the bypass button on your on your pedal. You know, you should be hearing exactly what the guitar is doing. And with those at 12 o'clock, you should be hearing exactly what the guitar is doing. So then but, you want to emphasize it, fine. So then you're picking a, how, how do you pick your frequency range for your, your tone sets? And- well, uh, I to be honest, I've taken a classic design that I've used since 1956. Okay. That was one of the things, one of the circuits I just kept. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I'm not real happy with my uh, mid-range control on the amps I've put mid-range on. I'm still looking at that. Yeah, because it's interesting. We're looking at like right across the room. There's a, a Mesa Boogie. I think it's a Mark Five. Uh, yeah, Mark Five mm-hmm. uh, or Mark Mark Four. That's a Mark Four, four and a um, that's a seventy-one uh, Vibrolux Silverface Vibrolux. Mm-hmm. And there's like how many knobs on there? Oh well, uh, <laughs> twelve, thirteen. Nine. That that the Mesa boogie is is a Swiss Army knife. That, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's it. Almost has too much um, that you can do to it. I've uh, I've had access to that amplifier for tw- eighteen years, and so I have a handle on it. But it's still a lot to consider. Um, the Vibrolux, on the other hand, it's the, the tone controls are almost the same. Should be I'm about the same, same, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they, it, mm-hmm. it, I, I think of it the same way. And in terms of the mid-range, it's funny that you should mention that. I tend to uh, turn up the volume but turn the bass and treble almost to zero and then add yeah. from there. And that's how I do it on a Fender that, amp. That gives you real mid-range. Yes, and that's, and, that's, <laughs> and, that's, and that's the way I find my tone on this amp. So the yeah. way I would... Uh, have the tone on the Mesa Boogie or find it on there is significantly different in my application, yeah. or at least in certain settings of that amp. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who's familiar with that amplifier, is, there's a lot of ways to approach finding tone. Um, but in this one, I start with my mids, and then I add from the, the bottom yeah. and from the top yeah. um, and sort of uh, treat them like shells. That's an excellent way to do it. Yeah. Is there one significant component that you say lends itself to the tone of an amp? Is there one specific element of the amp that you think lends itself to the tone, or is it really the sum of everything? Well, it, it really has to be the sum of everything. Uh, but uh, assuming you've designed your circuit properly, uh, the, the most significant element in that circuit is probably your output transformer. Back to the transformers again. Yeah, back to transformers <laughs> again. And as I said, I ended up going through a house in China that built three different prototypes until they got what I wanted. And uh, we used to do that in this country. You call up a transformer manufacturer and you say, well, here's what I have in mind. And they'd say, okay, we'll build you one up and you try it. And, uh, and now they say, well, for $1,200, we'll build you one up and you try oh, it. Yeah. Mm. You don't want to start winding your own then. Well, I've thought about that. I've thought about it. But these people in China are doing a good job, and they've, they've, they've earned my business the way American companies used to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope that eventually there are some startups that will start winding transformers in this country again. I could maybe see some of the, some of the uh, uh, there's loads of boutique pickup shops. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's making a, a, has been 
on its way up uh, and growing in numbers rapidly for several years. Yeah. But I could definitely see them maybe, yeah. maybe entering that game and getting specific. Yeah, everybody of- keeps predicting <clears throat> the eventual end of vacuum tube amplifiers and it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And and when people realize that, there really is a market for somebody to be uh, making effective transformers for yeah. output stages. Well, that that begs a good question. Is as you're, you know, you searched for those specific things to make your specific sound um, for, uh, you know, the amps that you've built in the past. Mm-hmm. As you're continuing to build forward, are there any? specific things that you are trying to push in new directions or to discover? I don't think so right now. No? No. Just keeping it the way. I'll I'll be listening to my people, listening to the musicians that are playing it, and and, and I'm sure they'll come up with things that they they would like me to do, Mm -hmm. effects loops and build in uh, 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 tremolo, you know, mm-hmm. some of the things that have been asked for, and, and they're not impossible to do. Uh, we tried to pretty much eliminate the need for uh, uh, an effects loop on these amps. One of the reasons they are very pedal-friendly is because uh-huh. I operate my tubes in the preamp stages with enough plate voltage. And we didn't talk about that one so at all. So you're saying they're pedal-friendly, everyone. Yes. <laughs> Good. Yes, they are. Yeah, and and a yeah. lot of amps won't won't tolerate that because they've deliberately run low voltage on the uh, preamp tubes, which mm-hmm. makes them live a little longer. But uh, it also allows them to break up sooner. Mm-hmm. So you put a pedal with some gain in it, and it breaks up right away. And you say, "But I didn't want to break up. All I wanted was uh, the reverb." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, by keeping the voltage relatively high on the preamplifier stages. Uh, you can get away with plugging pedals in that have uh, uh, more output than your pickup without blowing it into distortion immediately. And I think that's uh, an advantage. So that's kind of take. I know we kind of talked a little bit about uh, this before we even started the interview, but um, you working on something new right now? Well, the the thing that I'm bringing out right now is the uh, the two faced series, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they're just starting to uh, get out into circulation, and I think they're going to go very well for the musician that wants uh, a little more martial, a little more breakup, mm-hmm. uh, without having to play real loud, and and they will do that, and they'll do that very well, and I am printing the the the. Uh, strip there mm-hmm. and i'm probably going to start printing my standard amps in a similar manner just because of the time it takes mm-hmm. and as more and more amps get sold i find myself working until two and three in the morning <laughs> and uh, i don't want people to wait too long but at the same time i don't want to raise my prices that much either right. yeah. this way we can still provide amps at, at similar prices and uh, produce them a lot faster mm-hmm. And I don't think you'll be able to tell any difference at all. What's your favorite? Um, I, I think, um, unless you guys have anything else you want to ask, I'll 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 uh, outro with this question, um, and then we'll, uh, yeah, we'll wrap then it. We'll outro. Then we'll outro. We'll double outro. <laughs> but you know, you have chosen a uh, a career um, that is obviously your passion. Um, and something that you uh, that, that is a talent as well to have those three things line up 
is extremely rare. Um, most people, if they're lucky, they can, they can tap into one in doing that and doing it for so many years. What is the, can you tell us maybe what the one thing or, you know, maybe a couple of things, uh, that, that is the thing that you love the most to get into that, that when you're, when you're getting ready to build an amp, you're going through the process. What is the thing where you forget that it's two o'clock in the morning? (laughs) <laughs> well wiring them <laughs> the point-to-point wiring that's what you enjoy I, most. I, I like to do it yeah my poor old eyes are having a hard time but yeah. uh, that's what i you know it's it's making something out of a pile of parts and something that's going to help people make beautiful music and you know, i get lost in that i just do awesome well dave thanks so much we really appreciate this um uh, hopefully we'll hear maybe when uh, maybe we'll get another demo on a podcast later where we can talk about the two face. Yeah, oh, we'll bring, bring one, one of those over sometime so that you can play yeah. it. We'll do that anyhow. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, Mark is saddled up with an SG right now and is going to show us what that does on this uh, fantastic amp from Two Band Factory. <laughs> you can do with it mm. oh man that feedback is great yeah, yeah uh, that's nice <laughs> that's it guys awesome thanks so yeah. much man well, thank really appreciate you. it my goodness yeah this is great this is uh, wonderful yeah anybody who's asking for more gain than what you put <laughs> on these yeah. things is